Make my wish come true, baby. All I want for Christmas is you. Michael Radigan with uh, three cheers for goaltender interference. I'm with my co-host, uh, Kat Silverman. You can follow me at Mikey Rads and Kat at Kat M. Silverman. You can follow the uh, the podcast account, Twitter account at three cheers for goal one. That is uh, the number three and the number one. And then you can follow our producer, Maxwell Spar at Maxwell Spar. Uh, we have uh Rachel Dory with us today Kat uh you want to jump into it yeah uh we're super excited to have uh to have Rachel Dory on with us today she's one of the hosts of the Staff and Graph podcast um she's basically been my my quarantine saving grace here um she just gets a lot of caps lock texts from me saying ma'am when when we see the outrageous things that are happening in hockey um and, and around the world in general, I think she's gotten more COVID-related ma'am texts from me than anything else in the last couple of weeks here. But uh, yeah, Rachel, thank you so much for coming on. How are you doing? Thanks for having me. Yeah, I feel like our entire text thread, you can't go through one single screenshot without a minimum of like two ma'am. <laughs> ma'am. There's this, there's a guy I work with who is, uh, he's from California, but he likes to, whenever he's doing the wrong thing, I come up to him and I go, Liam. And he turns around and he goes, ma'am. And so every time you text me that, I hear it in this guy's voice, ma'am. So, but that's that's how I feel about a lot of things that have been going on recently. And I, I feel like you're kind of the same way here. Yeah, especially like, I mean, I'm a Canadian kid, but my country is not handling this pandemic the best but I mean I guess we're in a bit better shape than than our neighbors to the south where you guys are and I still see things where I'm like what what is what is going on here why is this happening and I feel like in when we talk it's just like a moment of levity where we could be sarcastic and and it's kind of fun whether it's hockey related or just something we see on Twitter because that place is a nuclear cesspool right now. Oh, it's the it's it's the worst. It is like I don't know. It's just so bad for your mental health. Twitter. I feel <laughs> like just every day you're like, what am I going to scroll through? And it, it's yeah, it's just people shit posting. I feel like just twenty four seven. Yeah. It's basically so usually people get on Twitter when they're bored at work until they get to go out and complain to their friends in person. 
or when they're sitting at home on days that they like when they're hungover or when they're not able to go out with their friends for a day or something. And this year, obviously, no one has been able to go anywhere. So our the complaining that we would normally do with our friends at brunch or at the bar or on vacation or wherever, we can't do it anywhere. So I feel like we're we're definitely not the only uh, group texts. And uh, for for our listeners, Mikey and I are in a couple group texts as well, in, including the one that we are just together. But we have a few other people in some group texts uh, where it's a cesspool half the time because we're just like losing our minds and a lot of people are also turning to posting their their mental deterioration on social media which PSA you don't have to do that guys like you don't have to post everything (laughs) I just I'm all for you know mental health awareness but just like you're some people are just posting their mental deterioration like live you know what I mean like uh giving like a play-by-play analysis of it and then it just bad takes have just increased tenfold I feel like by like a billion and it's not even just like the amount of bad takes that have increased it's how bad the takes correct yes like oh my god I feel like I know people and I see these things and I'm like were we this stupid a year ago because I feel like we weren't like there are things that I am seeing conspiracy theories, like the the if you take the vaccine, you'll turn into dust or some nonsense. Like it's just honestly, or what was it like the president of Brazil saying you'll turn into a crocodile? Like oh, I, I don't know anymore. Did he I'm really just say lost. that? Yes, he said something. Yeah, about like turning into turning into a reptile. Um, I think we're we're no longer able to check each other. Like usually you go out to lunch with your friends and you're like, man, so I feel like like this this COVID vaccine, like it can't be it can't be that safe, right? And your friends go, Well, actually, here, like let's be real about this. But we can't do that. So we've all become like the 4chan users that sit in their basement and never see the light of day. Uh and oh. so we're just like we're we're reaffirming our own conspiracy theories like we we are stupider than than we were a year ago because basically we all have like like we no longer have the chance to check each other and tell each other to get real because otherwise that's all we'd be doing on twitter well honestly i'm like i'm a little bit lucky so my one of my roommates that i live with actually works for the canadian equivalent of dr fauci um so he works for dr tam and so I get to hear things that like 99% of the Canadian public doesn't. And then I get to see what our government does. And I'm like, you were not listening. And so when I hear these things, because he'll be like, okay, so this is what we should be doing. And these are the safety measures we're going to take because this is what I've heard. And so we take our safety measures. And then I see all manner of things on Twitter. And I'm like, mm, you are dumb like that's basically where I'm at right now is is I have this advantage of of living with someone who has all of this information and then I see people on Twitter just posting like just shit posting basically and I'm like yeah this is not based in facts or evidence or any science at all 
um our our producer max his girlfriend and i'm i'm gonna get her job wrong and i i just he always tells me but i always uh never can remember what she exactly does but she works in health and public health and she I, she used to work for the previous administration or in the white house for the previous administration and uh not the trump administration the obama administration and they like they did have a whole booklet like a gigantic booklet on how to handle a pandemic and they like the the next administration that came in fucking got rid of it. So like that's true. That happened. And that's a foreshadowing moment. Yeah. So <laughs> at least you guys are handling it uh, a little better than us, and you don't have like someone that's like just throws out the playbook when they right when they come into office. Um, but moving on from how terrible everything is, uh, as of today, a couple hours ago, the NHL seems to be officially back. Uh, with seeing if they can, I guess, cut a deal with the Canadian government, right? Is that what's going to happen? Yeah, so um, back when we were having the return to play, um, they basically, they, the NHL wanted to go to Vancouver, and Dr. Bonnie Henry was like, nope, sorry, we don't trust your protocols. And, like, you can't really fault her for not trusting the NHL. I mean, I certainly wouldn't either. So right now, um, they're battling with Ontario and BC to allow the Leafs, the Sens, and the Canucks to play in their home rinks. Um, because obviously there are health issues there. I think I think they'll get it worked out with the Ontario government because we have a Goomba running our province here. Uh, <laughs> I'm dead serious. This man is out to lunch. Um, like, it's okay to shove 30 kids in a classroom, but if you want to hold a hockey practice, no more than five children, please. Um, but Vancouver might be a little bit more uh, difficult to solve, so I think they may end up getting moved for a bit. Uh, I think eventually it, it, gets, uh, it gets worked out, and then uh, by the time the playoffs roll around, there'll be mass vaccinations, at least in this country, so um, I think it'll be fine for cross-border by then. Yeah, I think that's kind of uh, the hope in terms of the vaccination. You know, I know here Dr. Fauci has said that it's going to be available to the public by end of March, early April. Playoffs are going to start in May. So maybe we'll be able to see, you know, at the very, very least uh, border crossing with the players in the league. But maybe we'll get to have, you know, fans back a little more full capacity in the stadiums. Um, do you think that any team will have to play in the U.S.? Any Canadian teams will have to play in the U.S.? Or do you do you think they'll either play somewhere, like the Canucks, do you think they'll play somewhere else in Canada? Or do you think they, they can move to the U.S.? Or They won't be allowed to move to the U.S. because then it becomes a federal issue because then the Canucks would have to cross the border to play in the Canadian division. Uh, and they right. will that's not right. allow that. Yes, yeah, so, that for, so that, then you'd have to move all the Canadian teams, right? Which they're not going to do. So, like, yeah. no, the teams wouldn't agree to that. Like, I wouldn't agree to that um like i i have kind of intimate knowledge about what toronto fc has been going through this season with having to move to hartford the soccer team here and it's been unbearably awful um to the point where like the coach resigned um yeah and that wasn't the only reason but like it was a big part of like just being separated from the family so i could see the canucks moving to a different province let's say like i could see them moving to calgary or um something of that nature i mean they could 
even move to Toronto potentially because it's a Canadian division. So that would probably cut down on travel. It might be smarter in the long run. Um, but yeah. What about I, Edmonton? Since I, we already have, since we've already had so many things happening in Edmonton in terms of bubble setup, right? We've had so many, so many protocols already put in place bubble wise in Edmonton. Do you think that that would make it more viable to go there? Or do you think yeah, that they I would see, want to I maybe see give it somewhere uh, being a legitimate place for the Canucks to be? I, I, I think it's more likely they end up in another Canadian city right now than in their own. I, I would um, but the one that. thing is like there won't be fans in Canada. Like I'm seeing like Dallas or whatever is going to have like 5,000 fans. <laughs> Why am I not surprised that it's like Dallas? Very, yeah. <laughs> it's, it, the NBA, which is coming back uh, next or th- this week, this week, I think Tuesday, uh, there, I know some arenas are going to have fans, which like, I, I don't know how much sense that makes since, you know, I mean, football and baseball is a makes a little more sense because they're bigger stadiums and they're outside. But this is these are small, you know, these are smaller arenas and they're indoors, which has proved, you know, to not be safe. So that I, that just seems like a bad idea. So the problem you have is um, the NHL is a gate revenue driven league, yep. right? When you look at the yep. NBA, we, they play in all the same stadiums, but their TV deal is it's gross. huge. Like it's, yeah. It's massive the nhl tv deal because they screwed it up in the 0405 lockout is terrible oh um, it used to be all... on the outdoor network uh those the nationally broadcast games were on the out like the stanley cup games right after the lockout for a number of years was on olm the outdoor network in yeah in the u.s they they bungled that tv deal i think it's up after the season right they, they, they so yeah yes. they, that's that's something they're gonna have to work out i, I think the reason that nhl teams um like okay we're gonna be very candid here like the Leafs the Habs the Rangers the Bruins the Blackhawks like they are not hurting for money Larry Tannenbaum partially owns the Leafs is worth billions and then they're like owned by telcos in Canada which I mean my phone bill is $600 a month for my family so like they're not hurting for money either um whereas I think like down in the states you have some of the smaller market teams um and in a gate revenue driven league they need the gate so if the nhl says okay you can have five thousand people in your stadium i guarantee you that if some health official came out and said no you can fill your stadium the some nhl team would try and do that and it would take the nhl to stop them being like no that's not safe we're not going to allow that for that to be stopped because i genuinely think teams like florida um not that they would ever fill their arena yeah. who are we kidding but like i genuinely think teams like tampa or whoever would try and get everyone in there just to try and make money and the nhl is gonna have to be like no right cat have I you, heard, any, part have of you it. heard anything so, about uh arizona doing that uh so arizona the beacon team, of professionalism there <laughs> i mean so i know that there are certain teams that are very much fighting for for the right to um to have fans although Arizona's been they've been they've been handling everything really well in terms of the uh the safety protocols and stuff like that and so I know that the team wouldn't wouldn't try and flaunt safety protocol but I know that when we look at the Coyotes and they're they're one of a number of teams that are owned by hospitality heavy owners and so 
Alex Morello has the money that he can handle it, right? Like he, in a, in a normal year, if it wasn't a pandemic, if there was some other situation that needed to see empty arenas for whatever reason, um, he'd be fine. I know that there are a couple other hospitality based owners. Um, the Aquilinis. But the Aquilinis are, in, that, that's a huge one. They're going to, they're going to be in trouble because those owners have already been hit by the pandemic yeah. in such a major way. Like Alex Morello has his hand in a number of different, uh, number of different business ventures, but most of his businesses involve restaurants and casinos, um, which are two of the industries that have really suffered. And so he's done a really good job of uh, the employees that have still been working at Gila River um, said that it's been safe. You know, they've been given the option to do a lot of their work from home. They've been able to really, they, they, they feel taken care of and respected by the team. Um, but when it comes to if they're given the option to have fans in the stands, not, not obviously like Florida, I think would maybe open it up for everyone. Cause Ron DeSantis doesn't care. Um, he in Arizona, like there's not a good person. I'm not going to. He's not a okay. great person, but, but in Arizona, Doug Ducey at the very least, I don't think would allow them to have full capacity. Um, I know that the Arizona Cardinals certainly don't have full capacity right now. They only have a couple thousand fans in those stands. Um, and that's a much bigger arena. So I think it would be a very limited number, but if they're given the option to have a handful, they would take it just because at some point they do need to figure out something from a money-making perspective. And so it's unique when you then look at the Canucks where they might be sharing their arena somewhere else, which could save them a little bit of money when it comes to uh, operation costs. Um, I don't know if they'd be able to share some of those operation costs with some of the other teams or if it would then cost them more money to be housing their team in another city. I don't know how that would end up working out and shaking out for them, but Basically, there are a lot of teams that are really grappling with that. And I know that that was part of the negotiations. I don't know which teams were fighting for what, but I do know that from what I've heard uh, from a couple of sources that there are teams that were begging. They said, please, if if we're not going to be able to have fans, why are we going to have a season? Because we can't survive without them. You know, if we don't, if we can have zero fans at any of the games uh, were not going to be solvent. And so that's, that's going to be one of the biggest things from that angle to consider. Um, I just don't know what that's going to mean in terms of safety and what it's going to mean in terms of you look at a team like the Florida Panthers and the Tampa Bay lightning who are in a state that really hasn't seemed to care, right? That's a state that really doesn't care about it. Um, Luckily, most of the other teams are in fairly liberal areas where more safety protocols are being enacted. But um, I don't know what would happen for the other teams when it comes to traveling there. I don't know if they would express concerns about it. I don't know if they would have reservations. I don't know if, if the Panthers and the Lightning aren't following like a league mandated cap on it if they wouldn't be allowed to have as many home games I don't know what would happen there but 
But yeah, that's definitely a, I think at some point, my, my prediction is that we are going to have to move to some sort of a bubble, or at the very least to mini bubbles, because um, we're already seeing it in football, right? Uh, the Arizona Coyotes, or the Arizona Cardinals, sorry, also have the Arizona 49ers playing with them. And yeah. I think we're going to see something similar, especially when it comes to that that peak of winter. I don't know what's going to happen for for some of those teams in some of those cities, but but looking at it from from a little bit of a brighter perspective, uh, Rachel, we really wanted to pick your brain on some of the some of the news that we got on roster related things. Um, obviously, teams are are not going to be able to just freely send players up and down because because of safety and stuff like that. Um, so they're having taxi squads and. It's looking a little murky right now in terms of what they're going to be able to do with waivers and what players on taxi squad versus active roster and goaltenders having the right number. As someone who's worked for a team, the news that you've seen so far, what do you, how do you sort of break that down and process it? What does that look like for teams for this year in terms of roster composition? It's interesting because I was reading it and and speaking to some people um, still within context and and they had been telling me that the NHL had plan A and a lot of uh, like there were teams that pushed back on it because then they said, okay, well, teams who have better like AHL teams or uh, who spend more money like on the AHL are going to have an advantage to which my opinion on that is, well, then they should be rewarded for that. Um, these are unprecedented times. And if you choose not to invest in your AHL team, you should be penalized for that. Um, and so that's how they kind of arrived at this like taxi squad thing, uh, where there are waivers and, um, things that count against the cap. Uh, and so for me, the way I look at it is you have to carry three goalies. And I think that there were some teams that definitely force, foresaw this coming, Toronto being the one top of mind, um, and and they saw this coming and they knew that this was going to potentially be the situation. And so you've got teams that are kind of stuck there because if you have a young goaltender, say you're Dallas, you've got Jake Ottinger. Um, do you have him in the bubble or not in the bubble, but like on your taxi squad where he's not really playing? Or do you have him playing in the AHL? Um, where you can't really call them up. Like, it's a fine line with the goalies. I think what we'll see is because you can have an unlimited number of goalies, I think we'll likely see teams bring four on the taxi squad, potentially even five, uh, just because they don't count. Um, But then the 36-player one is interesting. So it also came out that the rookie threshold this year is seven games, not ten. Um, and there are definitely a few rookies that I think that legitimately impacts. I think that impacts Nick Robertson in Toronto. I think it impacts Cole Perfetti. Um, I mean, it obviously isn't going to impact Lafreniere or Byfield. Like they're going to play, Ottawa's going to play Stutzla, which I don't think they should, but I mean, when does Ottawa ever actually do smart things? Um, so I think with the younger players, there's going to be some interesting decisions to be made because had there been 10 games, I think uh, teams wouldn't have been as hesitant to keep their young guys. But when you have a player like Cole Perfetti or Nick Robertson, where they're clearly too good for the league they 
came from and the league they came from is likely not even going to be playing, what are you going to do? Are you going to keep them around? Um, I think there's going to be a lot of players like different players not playing on back-to-backs so let's say you have a couple of older players I think maybe they cycle through so maybe guy one plays on night one and guy two plays on night two that way um, with the compressed schedule you kind of have some elbow room for injuries Um, but I also think the reason that this roster is as big as it is is the NHL is preparing that uh, some of these players are are going to get COVID um, because they're not in a bubble and so I think the reason that is it is as expanded as it is, is I think it's 13 extra players plus unlimited goalies. Um, I think that's partly done because they're anticipating that some of these guys are going to get COVID. Yeah, I, I, you don't, I mean, just switching to like the NFL real quick, you don't want a uh, Denver Broncos situation where <laughs> all three of their quarterbacks were put on the COVID list because one of them or all four that, that they had, one of them had COVID and then other were close contacts that didn't wear a mask and then you, they didn't have a quarterback for a week. And uh, yeah, so I, I could definitely see them teams carrying four to five goalies. Also just because I think goaltending especially is going to be huge this season for a lot of teams because you, it's a very condensed schedule, right? And uh, you know, teams usually don't like to play goalies on back-to-backs and I feel like we're going to be seeing just, you know, there are 56 games from now till the end of March, uh, May, excuse me, I, I feel like you're going to see a lot of back-to-backs, and I, I feel like we're going to see a little bit of a rotation between maybe three to four different goalies for some teams. So it's interesting. Um, I'm actually, I'm studying sports science and analytics, um, and I've taken a couple of courses just, like, on the human body and how it reacts to, like, different stressors and recovering from injuries and, and various things. Um, I would say that given the condensed schedule, I wouldn't be shocked if there are more injuries this year. But what I'm anticipating is not necessarily this year, but next season, which they aim to somehow start in October. Best wishes to them. I don't think that's actually going to happen. There are going to be a ridiculous amount of injuries in the 2021-2022 season, just because of the strain on the body between... um, the bubble to this season and then going into next season. If you look at the number of games that some teams are potentially going to be playing in such a short amount of time, like you're asking for injuries at that point. But I mean, I'm not going to sit here and pretend to say that the NHL cares about that. I think based on their concussion um, verbiage and various other things that they don't actually care about that all that much, even though that they, they might feed us something else. Um, but the condensed schedule, I could see, um, I could see three goaltenders playing, um, like to me, I don't care. Even if Andre Vasilevsky, like if I'm Tampa and I have Andre Vasilevsky in a 56 game schedule, you are not playing more than 35 games. Like that's going to be a hard cutoff. Well, and then you have like a team like, you know, the Leafs where every season they just grind, uh, Freddie Anderson to dust basically. Right. They just kind of ride him all the way. I I don't think that will happen this year. No, I could see. So 56 games. I see um, I see Freddie Anderson probably getting like 27, um, maybe even, yeah, 27 to 30. And then I see Dell and Campbell splitting uh, the rest. I just don't think it's, to me, this year, unless you are heading into like the last two weeks of this year, 
season and, and you're on the playoff cusp, there's no excuse whatsoever to be playing your goaltender on back to back or three and five or four and six, like any of that nonsense to me, like that's, that's stupidity. So uh, you, you bring up how there, there could be, we could see an increase in injuries, especially going into next season. This season, they're planning on ending it in July, right? Right before the Olympics, I think, is the plan. Yes. Correct. So what what I don't understand, what would be the harm instead of start? They usually we usually start in what uh, October, like mid October is when the or early October, mid October is when they usually start the NHL season in a regular year. What's the harm on pushing it to November, right? Yeah, like I, honestly, so the reason they they have to end the season pre-Olympics because NBC shows the games in uh, in the States and NBC right. has the Olympics and they told the NHL like sorry Olympics are taking precedence so your playoff games are going to end up on like OLN or whatever and obviously the NHL doesn't want that um yeah. but I don't really see the harm in having the season start in November the problem you have is NHL owners are uh notoriously argumentative um <laughs> which will surprise no one to hear um, and they do not want to give up an 82 game season. And I think starting in November jeopardizes that it's either that, or, um, they're playing super condensed schedule if the players want to keep their bye week And I don't necessarily think that's safe either. Um, so I could see a, I could see a, a scenario where maybe they don't start in early November, but they start, um, like the third week of October. So like October 22nd type of deal. I, I mean, sure. I think I don't. Yeah, I, I don't see a big deal doing that. Or yeah. Um, now, what what are your thoughts about uh, the re- realignment and the uh, all Canadian division? All who who the Leafs have to be the favorite coming out of that conference, right? Div- the Canadian division. Uh, yeah. Like I I have a I have a few models just because this is what I do for school. Um, and the Leafs uh, not. I don't have them as favorite as Sean Tierney does, but I have the Leafs getting about 83 points, um, which is like, I think if I can remember correctly, like eight more points than the second place team. Um, When you look at it, uh, they've got the second best player in the division, maybe the third best. If you McDavid and Dreisaitl make them like, that's just, that's a line. Um, I think that, Edmonton's goaltending is horrendous, and um, if you, I've been quoted many times saying, if you don't have a good goaltender, you don't have anything. Um, and so, how dare for, you disparage Mike Smith like that? <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, ma'am. Did you see him in the playoffs? <laughs> He's a hero. What are you talking about? Yeah. So I think, yeah, the Leafs are the favorite to me to win the division. Once we get into the playoffs. Um, it's a whole different story um, because I think any team can get carry priced. Um, I just have a ridiculous amount of respect for him as a goaltender. Um, there's not Jacob Markstrom too. I think he's also a fantastic goaltender, but like realistically, Thatcher Demko doesn't really scare me. Um, Matt Murray definitely doesn't scare me. Connor Hellebuck, yes, but I don't think the team in front of him is good enough. So I don't necessarily see that as being a huge thing. Um, But the division realignment in the U S is interesting because they, at one point were going to have Pittsburgh and Philadelphia 
Philadelphia, which are two teams that are literally in the same state, in different divisions. And I'm like, A, that's like one of the top rivalries in the U.S., which is why Kevin Hayes somehow gets voted as like the fifth best center when he's not even like he might not be the fifth best player on Philadelphia. I can't I can't get over that. I, I truly can't. Get, like, he, I, I, I'm an Islanders fan and I'm like, he's he's the same. He's not better than Brock. Now they're like, they're the, they're the same. He's the same as Brock Nelson. Like, what are we talking about? Yeah, like, like the fact that it just speaks to how terribly the NHL is marketed there that Kevin Hayes even gets a single vote for top 10. I'm like, what? Why are you running like just pretend he wasn't there and like move on um but now they have that so we're gonna get I think that this will be the year the reason I'm I'm so excited is we're gonna have a ton of of rivalry games because everything's gonna be in division um at least in Canada so like the Leafs are gonna play the Habs and the Sens and the Sens are gonna play and then like you have Edmonton Calgary they're gonna play each other like eight or nine times and there's gonna be a legitimate hate and I'm hoping that the same happens in the U.S., although I've heard there's going to be interdivision play in the U.S., but I want to see, like, eight games of Pittsburgh-Philadelphia. I want to see, like, San Jose, L.A., Anaheim, because they all hate each other, and so I think this is good to to really jack up the rivalries. As for who is, like, who comes out of the divisions, honestly, I think it's a matter of two things. Who gets the best goaltending and who stays healthy? Because at the end of the day, like, you could say, like, I just said, I have the Leafs winning their division. If the Leafs lose Freddie Anderson and one of, like, Austin Matthews or John Tavares, like, they're not winning the division. You'd be crazy to think that. So I think it's it's about who stays healthy at this point and who follows protocols and all of that fun stuff. Not Austin Matthews. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, so, he got it, didn't he? He, he got COVID? He did. Right. He, yeah. did. he had COVID. McDavid had COVID. Um, McDavid's best friend, who I coach at York, had COVID. Um, and they, well, at least the McDavid crew all got it at the same place. So there was that. That sounds about right. Um, now, this is something kind of interesting, and I don't know where people are getting this. Because I, so I, I was actually at work today, um, didn't get to see everything. Um, and a couple people were saying that teams are going to have to waive players for taxi squads. Yes. Um, so when it comes to the goaltenders, are teams going to essentially have to have to sneak their third goaltender in by claiming that they're an active member and if they're an active member then you can't have them practice with the taxi squad I would guess so a couple people were pointing out that that puts teams like Arizona with Aiden Hill puts a team like uh, Toronto with uh, Aaron Dell puts puts teams like that in kind of a weird position because you see a team like Washington um, with no disrespect to Phoenix Copley, who is not an NHL caliber goaltender. Um, they have one goalie who's capable of playing at the NHL level and they need three. Um, so if they can take a goalie off waivers, they're probably going to do it. Um, and they're going to do it as soon as they can. And so I'm kind of wondering what 
what, what you think is going to happen for teams that that have those guys that essentially in order to let them practice with your taxi squad instead of with your active squad, because having three goalies on the ice at practice, not super ideal. Um, obviously you want, you want maximum practice exposure for all of them. Um, they would probably lose that guy to waivers. Anyone who's non-waiver exempt. Um, what do you think teams are going to do about that? Um, so I haven't heard if goalies are going to be exempt or not. Um, I would have to think that there's got to be something written in there about that because they've mandated that teams carry a minimum amount of goalies. So if you have a team that says, okay, we're bringing three goalies and then one gets claimed, like you can't have that. Um, so I think there's, there's got to be language where maybe goalies are exempt or there are exempt for a certain amount of time like you could put them on the taxi squad temporarily but then you've got to bring them off um various things if there's one thing I do know is that uh I know of about three guys who do that type of gymnastics for their teams who will find a loophole um I like and I am if I had to stake a mortgage payment on two of them I probably would just because I know that each of those gentlemen knows way too much about where the loopholes are and and how to exploit them um but i think there's there's got to be some language in there because if you've got a situation like you mentioned with washington where they need to claim goaltenders and they decide that they're just going to start like claiming but then another team gets in a situation where they don't have a third goalie then they're in violation of the rule so there's got to be something there um yeah where you where that's not going to be allowed uh the one thing i think is is I think there's a distinct possibility that Michael Hutchinson probably ends up on a different team. He's in the Toronto system now. I wouldn't be surprised if he ended up uh, in Washington where they need another goalie um, just because of the situation they're in. And that situation made me cry when Henrik Lundqvist announced that I was legitimately upset. That's so this talk, this just speaks to just how crazy it's been. Um, over the last what week here that we've had so much to talk about so far and we haven't even touched on the fact that for for our listeners who are have been living under a rock god bless you um Hunter I was not gonna I wish I lived under a rock right um then we wouldn't know uh, Henrik Lundqvist is going to miss the 2020-21 season um with a heart condition and some people are, I know Pierre Lebrun, when he tweeted about it, sort of implied that that means that Lundqvist is done. Um, from what we have heard, uh, that's not necessarily the case. Um, he he at least hasn't, even even in off-the-record conversations with, with some of the people that I know, hasn't really hinted to that being the case. Um, but yeah, that's, it's heartbreaking to see for Lundqvist because we saw kind of kind of an abrupt end for, for Roberto Luongo's career just just a year ago, essentially, where he was sort of suggested in a friendly manner to retire. Um, so he he's no longer in the league. There are a number of NHL players who didn't know an NHL without Roberto Luongo in it, which makes me feel like dry heaving a little bit because uh, <laughs> that that makes me feel old. But uh yeah, and now now we won't have Henrik Lundqvist this year either. Um, we're also not 
I, although Corey Schneider, that's a name that's still out there. Um, cause I don't know if he's officially signed with the Islanders yet or not. Um, I think he has, I, he hasn't officially, I think they're, it's once the Barzell, cause they're going to resign Barzell. And I think it's once, once they resign him and shimmy once, someone. I think they have a, yeah, well, since Boychuk retired, that opened up some cap space. And I think they're, they're going to try to do something shifty with Andrew Ladd and throw him on LTIR or something to that effect. But I think who the cap guy is for the Islanders. What was that? <laughs> do you know who the cap guy is for the Islanders? I don't. So his name is Steve Pellegrini and he was, uh, I worked like with him in New Jersey, um, him and Brandon Pridham wrote the salary cap, like the original one. <laughs> really? Yes. So those two gentlemen, they'll be fine. Every loophole is imaginable. Yeah. Oh, and, well, they're in good, they're in good hands. So. And, and when, like, I, I think I might've broken it actually when I said Corey Schneider's going to the Islanders by accident. Um, and everyone's like, well, he hasn't officially signed there. Like, how do you know? I'm like, let me do some math for you. Lou Lamorello traded for him is now the Islanders GM. Uh, everyone says they have cap problems. Well, the man who wrote the cap is their cap guy. So I feel like maybe settle down a little bit. He'll get it all figured out. And don't not to worry. Yeah. And Corey Schneider will play for the Islanders. Yeah. I think uh, that. There was an under, there's an under the table deal right now that like, we're not going to sign you yet, but you're, you know, we will. You're an Islander. Yeah. Otherwise Washington would have gone after them, uh, would have probably gone after him by now. And I think that with the whole, like the whole Henrik Lundqvist thing, I saw like Kat, you mentioned people mentioning about it being over. Um, it's two things for me. One, like I didn't really want to see Henrik Lundqvist in a Jersey other than the Rangers one. Um, and I think New like I think New York really did him dirty there, um, which is maybe a different conversation. But as someone who has a heart condition and I'm under like I'm about to spend probably like a combined three weeks of the next three months in a hospital getting like various tests, like this shit is scary. Like I'm not allowed to work out, you're not allowed to like go skiing, you're not allowed to do anything. So while he gets all these tests done, they're not going to want him doing anything. And when you're at that age, coming back from basically complete rest is very difficult. Because if he's, like, not even able to work out or do anything, the only thing he can really do is stretch. And, and I mean, that's great and all, but when you're a late 30s NHL goalie, like, it's probably not the best for your body long term for you to take all that time off and then just decide to come back. So I could definitely see a world where we don't see Henrik Lundqvist anymore. And that hurts my soul. I, I get what you're saying with it. It would be weird seeing him in a Capitals Jersey. I was really interested to see how he would do though, behind a competent defense. Right. Cause <laughs> yes. That's being, that's being really generous like to Washington's defense though. That's well, being really generous to Washington. They, ha- they have, it's better than what the Rangers are marching out there, right? Like not not by not by the numbers last year. Okay, but Kat, could we agree that Tony D'Angelo plays more defense on Twitter than he does on the ice? Yeah, this is a fact. Yeah. They, were, they were throwing <laughs> a whole uh, lot of robust defending going on there. And no disrespect to him, but they were they were throwing Mark Stahl. That's the one that was on the Rangers, right, Mark? Yes. 
they were throwing his his corpse out there, right? Like he he cannot play anymore. He's just not good anymore. Uh, That's and, very polite. Yes, uh, yes, and I, I don't think Truba has been really living up to his contract. I mean, I feel like the only nice piece they really have right now is Adam Fox and um, Keandre Miller. Oh yes, Keandre Miller is very good. Or he's has he played yet though? He hasn't played, but I've been watching Keandre Miller for a couple of years now. That is a legitimate defenseman like he actually knows how to play defense right which is a step up right now because jacob truba has like disappeared sure um you so you've got adam fox who i think is good you've got keandre miller they've also got niels lindquist i think uh he's good so they've got stuff coming yeah um, it's young i don't quite understand why they signed tony d'angelo to that contract but Whenever you can give a defenseman who doesn't actually know how to play defense all that money, be like you got to do it. So he he the thing with Tony D'Angelo besides him he has to be the most hated player right like every, I feel like everyone hates him uh like he he's just the worst and but he he is pretty solid offensively right he puts up decent numbers on the back end offensively but he's just so bad in his own zone. Yeah, like, okay, so Tony D'Angelo offensively, yes, he's very good. Uh, Tony D'Angelo defensively, basically outside of his, uh, like, outside of the offensive zone, whether it's, like, the neutral zone or the defensive zone, is a mess. And then when you consider um, the headaches he causes for the PR department, like, is it really worth it at that point? Like, he's only bringing offense, and you could easily just pay, like, Mika Zibanejad to score those goals. Right, you're basically starting, you're causing an unnecessary cap crunch that you don't need. It's right. Like he's, he's not worth the headache. Yeah, you need guys to defend, and he categorically does not do that. And everyone says the best defense is a good offense. That's fine, but eventually your top-pairing D-man is going to have to go up against Connor McDavid, and we all saw what Sebastian Ajo did to Tony yeah, D'Angelo, yeah. so, I mean... He's going to get his ankles broken. Exactly. Like, when you think about this for a second, Tony... D'Angelo is going to play in a division that is going to require him to go up against uh, Sidney Crosby, Alexander Ovechkin. I'm trying to think of who else is in that division. Um, like Matt Barzell. Matt Barzell, Brad Marchand, uh, Jack Eichel. <laughs> yeah, like the, Jack Eichel against Tony D'Angelo should worry New York Rangers fans. Like it really should. Because Igor Shishorkin is going to be getting a lot of work this season. Uh, yes, I, I. Who's their back? Who's their other goalie? They have another young goalie, right? Alexander Gorgiev. I can't pronounce. I'm so bad at pronouncing, especially the uh, like the European and Russian names. It's very embarrassing. Um, sh- so Rachel, I know you have to leave in about ten minutes. Do we want to get to Twitter questions real quick, Kat? Sure. I think, um, I think we've got a couple. So I'm going to I'm going to pull those up while I do that. I I did just notice. um, So at the very least, the Dallas Stars um, CEO and president Brad Alberts did say that uh, they're still finalizing the final capacity. um, But at the American Airlines Center, it's going to be potentially around 5000 fans per game. So that's a thing. Um, And then announce that, too. Yeah, that's that's yikes. That's huge. Yikes. Um, Good job, everyone. And then, so I found the the numbers that I was looking at. Um, 
So using ClearSight analytics, uh, goaltending tracking data, uh, Holtby had the worst possible environment in the NHL last year. No, no other goaltender was given a lower expected save percentage based on the tracked data. Um, he, he had, it was an 870 expected save percentage and managed an 897. So, so is that because he, it, does that mean that like the Capitals gave up a lot of high danger opportunities? Yeah. Their pre-shot movement was super scattered last year. Um, and so that's, like I said, I think it's, it's going to be fun, um, to see how, how things go in Washington this year, just because looking at the, the tracked data from, from at least one of the companies that, that does the, the private numbers there, um, it wasn't good. <laughs> it really wasn't good. Uh, so I was kind of curious what Lundqvist was going to be able to do behind another kind of bad defense, but a different bad defense, one that looks more competent, but then secretly has some weird numbers. Um, but so looking at looking at the questions, um, we had some some kind of stupid questions sent to me. No offense to to Tom Hunter. He sent me some weird stuff. Uh, but uh, Chris Gear, I runs the Bruce and Bruins podcast with uh, Cam Hasbrook and Drew Johnson. Um, he asked, what is it about hockey culture that makes some people, including those within front offices, so resistant to integrating analytics into their player evaluations? Rachel, you entirely take the floor on that one. <laughs> um, they honestly are very, I find that older people in general are very set in their ways. Um, and they find any type of new information to be threatening to their position. Um, and so it's just this it's it's a very myopic way of thinking of, well, this is how it's always been done. This is how I've had success. So I don't need to stray from that. And it's to me, like it's obviously not a great way of thinking, but I think. The reason they're so resistant is because it's new information that requires them to learn things and requires them to maybe admit that they don't have all the answers anymore. And if there's one thing that the hockey men like, it's being able to say that they have all the answers. Um, so I honestly, I think it just comes down to the fact that they feel threatened by it. But there, every team does have a, like an analytics department, right? No. Oh no, they don't. No. <laughs> no. There's some teams I, I that thought, have somebody it... every team has someone doing something with data. Something is a very loose term though. Oh man, and I sometimes I, I... something means that they are uh they're tracking like a goaltender's save percentage from game to game instead of Never like, mind. I, I'm giving them way yeah, the, some, the league way too much credit here. Yeah, there are some teams that are really behind in that area, and it it shows. There are some teams that use a lot of data science and a lot of exercise science, like Rachel was talking about, and then there are some teams that just just haven't gotten there yet. And then some teams that got there and then backtracked on it, which has been kind of fun to see. Um, yes, because it's gone very well. Didn't Florida? Do they didn't they do something weird like that? Right. Yes, yes, they've ringed a couple times. Uh, they've done some things. Yeah, they're such a weird team, man. <laughs> like, but they they weren't they very heavy into analytics and then backed off and then they fell off a cliff, right? Is that am I remembering that correctly? You are. In a nutshell, yeah. Oh. They 
yes, Dale Talon said, thank God I'm back, and then the team proceeded to plummet into the center of the Earth. So, yeah, a... things went very well for them. Yes. So, I, now... speaking of things going well, um, Rachel, Jack Hughes, how do you see him performing in his second season? Should we see a big step in development uh, for the Devils, or are we still kind of a year away from that, do you think? Oh, I think we're a year away from that. Um, I think Jack Hughes takes a step this year. Um, honestly, I think if he doesn't take a step, there are going to be people with pitchforks outside the Prudential Center because That's Devils fans, and I can directly attest to this, Devils fans are not level-headed whatsoever. Um, thank you to all of the people that accosted me outside of my car while I was employed there. Oh, uh, no. Really? Every game. <laughs> um, and... And so I think if Jack Hughes doesn't take somewhat of a step this year, there are going to be uh, some hollerings and yelling happening. Um, so I would say that he takes a step. I still think that everyone is a little bit too high on him. I think comparing him to Jack Eichel and Austin Matthews was perhaps very uh, premature. Um, he did not have the same development paths. He is not like different things happened. He came from the national development program. He looks like he's 150 pounds. Like he's very little. Whereas Matthews played professionally overseas. Eichel played in the NCAA and both of them look like men when they came into the league. So I think Jack Hughes um, in 56 games this year, if he plays all of them, 40 to 45 points is probably a fair expectation um if he, yeah if he if he exceeds that that's fantastic um but we're also not going to sit here and pretend like the devils have all the talent in the world surrounding him either they don't have um, enough forwards right now right Aren't, don't they have like nine forwards signed that is <laughs> yeah. correct what's interesting is i want to see what happens with zajac and zaka because i don't think they're going to play zaka on the fourth line, like, that's just stupid. But you're also not going to play Travis Zajac on the wing, I don't think. So I could see a scenario. I personally think Andreas Janssen um, should be playing with Nico Heischer. I think stylistically they match the best, having seen both of those individuals play way too many times to count. Um, and I think that potentially having Zaka, who is good defensively, play with Jack Hughes, um, and then that means Zaka doesn't necessarily have to play in the middle of the ice where he um, is not necessarily successful. I think that it w might take pressure off of both of those players. And then maybe you put Kyle Palmieri with them. Um, you've got a better chance to succeed there. Okay. And then real quick, before we let you go, uh, give us your world juniors prediction or thoughts. Um, okay. So, Hmm. My thought is that it shouldn't be happening at all because sure. they're children. Um, yes. Germany, but, Germany doesn't is like I think like ten guys have COVID, right? Uh, eight guys have COVID, and then they had to leave two of their better players at home because they had COVID, and Canada wouldn't let them in. Um, I think Canada probably wins because if you look at that roster, um, I mean, I would have. I wouldn't have taken the exact same players, but when you look at it, like that roster is disgusting. Um, and then you consider like the U S had to leave both Bordelow and Beecher out. Um, Sweden has lost, I believe like 
four of their top six forwards, um, which is never a good thing. Um, Finland decided to not take Patrick Puisola, which was interesting to say the least. Um, so I just think if we're talking talent, uh, I think it's Canada hands down. It's just a matter of, of being healthy at this point. Um, because the reality of the situation is this is clearly not being handled very well. Uh, yeah, I think, yeah, I, I would say Canada is probably the favorite and, um, it's concerning to say the least how just getting them to the, getting them to the bubble, that whole process has been concerning them once they're inside the boat, they're in Edmonton, right? Yeah. And I also, mm-hmm. I would say this, I think if anyone's going to give them a real run for their money, it's going to be the Russians. I was just going to say, I feel like Russia has a solid chance, uh, just by looking at that roster, but uh, Kat, what about you? Um, I I think that before we reach the semifinals, at least one team is going to just see their roster decimated beyond the point it is right now. Um, I think we're probably, whether it's, whether it's through COVID or from injury, I think uh, I think we're probably going to see at least one team that loses a couple big players. So I and I, but I don't think it's going to be Canada, um, just because they seem like of all the teams, they they do have the most well-rounded roster left. Um, I've been a little iffy on what they're doing with their goaltending. Um, okay, so I don't. Oh, so. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not super, not super sure what they've been doing there. Um, Wait, which, who's their goalie? Is it? I thought it was the kid from Northeastern. Am I wrong? It was. They have uh, Levi, Gautier, and uh, uh, some other dude. And I, I would play Devin Levi. That's that's who I would play. Um, I'm not super high on Gautier, um, but it that's seems like he seems to be their favorite, and I don't. I don't really understand that. Um, but if there's something we know about Canada goaltending is that the guy who starts it never really finishes it. Yeah, it's, that's so, true. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, they're they're my tentative favorite. Um, I normally I would say that there are a couple. Of, like I thought Finland had a monster roster, and it's been. I don't know. I, I don't. I'm not as excited about them as I thought I would be. Um, but I'm also not as excited about the tournament as I thought I would be. Um, we're getting hockey, and it's, I don't know, its it's been hard to, to muster up the excitement watching all the players test positive and watching all the coaches test positive. And so I'm just, I'm just hoping for everybody to stay safe. Is that a chicken answer? That's, that's my final no, answer. No, that's uh, considering, like Rachel said, they are basically children it's all 19 and 18 and and being away from their family at christmas because yeah, or like the close. holidays obviously i understand that all of them don't celebrate christmas but like being away from your family around the holiday season given the year that we've had like stinks yeah that's these are kids they're not adults making money like this is a little yeah. bit ridiculous to be honest <laughs> right at least with the ncaa which is still conducting their season there's the holiday break you know there's uh teams have off for Christmas, you know, for, for the semester in between semesters, you know what I mean? And, uh, they get to, they'll get to spend the holidays with their family. Whereas the, 
these kids playing in the World Juniors aren't going to get that, uh, which I think everyone could use after the year that uh, everyone has had. Yes. And on that note, um, I have to go watch the New York Giants beat the Cleveland Browns 100 to nothing. Uh, Rachel, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Kat, any last words? Um, Rachel, is there any anywhere other than your, your podcast that people can find you online right now? Anything that we should be looking for? Um, my Twitter is just at Rachel Dory. Um, but yeah, the podcast is where I am right now. I'm, I think, going to be publishing my first paper soon. So if you feel like reading academic stuff about the NHL and how ineffective it is, then you can find it there because I will tweet that out. But yeah, Twitter and, and the podcast um, is where you can find me. Um, but that, that's that's pretty much it. You can find Kat and I sending memes to each other because that is usually what happens. That's pretty much all we do. Um, <laughs> yeah, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, and thank you, everyone, for listening. Yeah, everyone have a happy and safe holiday. And uh, yeah, we'll be back soon.